Welcome to the Live Wildly podcast, a space where we explore how to live our wildest expressions while nourishing our hearts. Here we come together to share about our life paths, authentic expressions, and heart's wisdom with one another. We cover all things motherhood, spirituality, adventure, health and wellness, and more. I'm your host, Olivia Ashley, a mama, intuitive, and seeker of a joyful, inspired life. Let's dare to live wildly together. Hello, my wild hearts. Welcome back to another week. I am feeling overall good amidst some crazy challenges and a little bit of chaos that has unfolded in this last week. Yeah, it's been super interesting, mainly around my husband Steven's life. He is a server as his job, which has allowed us to homeschool, stay home with the babies, have flexibility so I can work mostly full time. And that has been our journey the last six plus years, I want to say. He started it right after having Lily. And he has a stress fracture in his foot. So he's in a big boot right now. And he had just started a secondary serving job as a waiter at a local restaurant. And a month of doing all the training, we looked at each other and his foot was just killing him. And we said, this is not the path. And so he gave his notice that he wasn't going to pursue it. And he was ready as he has been trying for years, it seems, to find that next best path. And bam, the universe came through. He got some job offers through friends who he's going to be able to work closely with. And we're super excited about that. But between him having the stress fracture... I'm stopping this secondary job. We also took one of our cars in for an oil change and we were told we need a huge dollar amount worth of work to the point of how much work needs to be done is pretty much the value of the car at this point. So we are figuring it out. We are navigating and we are sadly most likely going to sell our RV. And today's episode is with Sarah Kappa, who is going to talk all about travel and retreats and just the incredible adventures, the inner depths that come with these experiences. And it has me feeling lit up and excited and looking forward to our own travels. And yet it's this weird timing that I'm putting this episode out and we are letting go of something that we dreamed about for many years. We actualized it. We traveled for six months in 2021 in this RV, and it was our home. We had planned for it to be our home for many years, and then life happened. Life took us, if you listen to my story and to a lot of these episodes, you know what's gone down. And ultimately, we trusted the path. I mean, we're really grateful to have and be where we're at. And we were reflecting that two years ago, we were traveling. Two years ago, we were on the road in the midst of this lifestyle and just living. And yet, we also didn't know what that path was going to be. 
And I had this realization when I sit here now and I wonder in my very full busy days, as I try to take care of myself and the kids and my partner and friends and family and dog and just life feels fast. Is anyone else feeling this way? I feel like I'm still in March, April timing in my body. And yet we are mid July. I just had my birthday. I turned 31 on the 16th. I'm a cancer sun, Aquarius moon, Virgo rising for all y'all out there that are interested in that. And I just can't believe it. So back to my point, two years ago, we were traveling and we had no idea how much would come and what we would go through in those two years to get to where we are today. I've lost a father. I've lost a baby. I've had a baby. (laughs) We bought a house. We got a dog. Now we're going to sell the RV and our hearts feel heavy and yet when I had that realization of just how much can change and so much beautiful change, even though it was incredibly hard, there was also amazing moments and I'm forever changed from it all. So I sit here going, this is the path that's been laid out for me. Can I settle into this trust? Can I settle into a knowing that I am going to live each and every day to the best of my ability, show up and take care of everything that I need to and be there for myself and for my family and friends and everyone I listed and note that I don't need to know what's coming to trust and enjoy the moment now that there are hard things and I am capable of doing hard things. That was really my motto the last year of just, I am capable of doing hard things things. And I let that sit and I let that simmer. And it's interesting. I don't quite feel like I can cry about the RV. And yet I definitely feel a little bit dissociated from this choice. And then yet I know that we've outgrown it in a way that I don't know if you all are feeling this. There is this need at this time to close these energetic doorways, to take note and and to clear out i've been doing tons of purging in our house and in my space and in my closet and just what is not needed what is just cluttering us and i see the rv as something that we didn't even get to travel in the last year with everything that went down i was really pregnant and i really struggled with going up to altitude with uh camping and so we were gonna camp a couple more times before having stone and then my father passed but i also the one time we did camp had really hard time breathing and really hard time just in my body being pregnant which was completely new for me had never experienced that and so it's this knowing that it's just kind of been sitting there it's been this energetic whole this energetic anchor that isn't really anchoring us anymore it used to be when it was our home when it was our space full of love and that we put so much love and energy into it i mean i still adore it and i'm so proud of everything we did but that's what i'm sensing is it's something that we need to release and same with this car this was a car that we were like we need a second car we got it when we came back from traveling and yet we didn't really love it we said this is our three-year car 
and then we'll get what we really want. And I feel like the universe was like, ooh, that wasn't the right choice, y'all. And it also feels very tied to like money and love and relationship and where are Stephen and I at and what are we going to build and what are our desires and what's that next five-year plan. And so we've taken some time also to reset our values and look ahead and say, what do we want to be building? What do we want to be creating and are we aligned still? And we definitely are, but I give this as a reflection to you all to check in. What are those energetic threads that need some tying up? What is holding you back still or is just kind of dragging you back? Because I, as I see it in my mind and feel into it, it's like we have all these doorways around us. A lot of us have already opened the doors and been like, here's the RV, right? Here's the house. Here's this job. Here's this friendship. Here's all this clutter, these different things. And we just kind of have all these doors open. And there's doors that are coming towards us, but we can only have so much space in our lives. And a lot of us, I think we just are very full. And so to be able to accept and to open new pathways, we must close and release some of these other ones and say, it's time to freshen up. It's time to release this, clear this space out. So these new doors can come and present themselves and we can open them and say, yes, this is what I want. Or no, that doesn't feel good. I'm going to keep moving. And that's how I really have seen it when I've gone to the Akashic records or just feel into it now. That is what I feel like we're being asked to take a check-in, what needs to fall away so new things can fall in. So that is kind of what is going on. If I can give you a lay of the land of my life right now, there's lots of fun things with my birthday. I scheduled a couple's massage. We're going to go out to dinner. I got to go to a few concerts, one with Steven, one with my mom, and just kind of feel like I am me again. After having babies, I think if you've been a mom or just... Sometimes in life, you just need to remind yourself, like, what do I like? What is it like to go out into the world and to have experiences and be with friends or your lover and just commune? And that has felt super important. And that brings me to this episode with the lovely Sarah Kappa. I met her because Liz Nyhart said, I think I have someone who would be great for the podcast and that your listeners would love to learn about. And also I have adored getting to know her, getting to talk with her. This has been so fun. Side note, she is from Wisconsin and I have family. My mom's whole side is from Wisconsin. So I definitely have that Midwestern connection there. You'll hear it in her accent and everything. Love the Midwest. I think it's so fun how we can connect across the world, across land and time and space with our technology. And so she is just wonderful. And Sarah Kappa is the founding owner of Soul Adventure Collective, which aims to provide a special healing journey to women. She creates specially curated retreats, professionally designed courses and classes, and unique sisterhood gatherings so women can learn to take steps towards liberation, shattering the chains of limiting beliefs and societal expectations. And she is an empowerment coach, retreat leader, sound healer, and yoga instructor. She lives nomadically with her husband and five children, traveling both in the United States and internationally. 
So that's a little bit about her. And we talk really deep about her story, about being a mom of five, about traveling internationally, boundaries, blocks that keep us from traveling or having adventure, stepping into your leadership power and your gifts and trusting when something doesn't feel right. She really had this moment that she says in the episode, this cyclone, she kept seeing in the stream, this, she was in the midst of the cyclone as she was living her life and she knew just something was not right. So she followed her path, she listened, and you'll get to hear how she created and came upon this retreat and this soul adventure collective that she has started where she really creates this beautiful container with nature, with adventure, with healing modalities that help you find yourself within sisterhood, within a community that is supportive, that sees you, that gets you. And this feels really, really important, especially right now. And as we're moving forward as a collective, that we need to find our roots. We need to help support each other, reconnect to our intuition, reconnect to our inner knowing, our heart. I mean, that is why I am doing this podcast. That's why I'm here, hoping that that gives you the spark to help you balance that inner self and inner life with the external world. So how do we have this rich inner knowing, inner depths, inner self where we can express ourselves and put that into the external world? Maybe it's through a job. Maybe it's through... Uh, something that you do on the side or however it expresses, there's this need for it to come forward. And I think Sarah's retreats and everything that she's offering is a beautiful container to help you uncover this. So I think you're going to get really inspired and also definitely are going to want to check out Sarah's retreats and hopefully sign up and go have an adventure and reconnect to yourself with other women and in sisterhood. I know this is now on my own bucket list to go join Sarah, meet her in person and support her in everything she's doing as it supports us. And before I kick you off to the episode, I just want to make a note that there are some bumps and or phone calls and audio things here in this episode that I swear the universe just knew that Sarah and I, even though we're moms and everything, we strive for perfection and it was a sign to just relax and let it be. We had quite the interruptions and had to move spaces a couple times, things like that. So just, you know, sit back, enjoy. If you hear some things or Zoom was glitching a little bit here and there on some of Sarah's answers, the content's still there. You still can understand, but I just want to make a mention of that. And it reminds me that we can just like that. There's my computer dinging. So it reminds me that we can just relax. We can accept that life is not perfect. That is not what we are striving for here. We are striving to just show up, be our best, accept and be flexible. And so I just ask that of you here today. So I will leave you with that and I will kick us over to the episode. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It fills my heart to see you all coming back every other week to check in, listen to live wildly. And I know you are such a beautiful wild heart if you're here. And if you would so kindly, if you're enjoying 
this podcast, please rate and review and subscribe. I am so appreciative and it helps us continue to find and build our wild heart community. And just thank you. I appreciate you and enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Sarah. Welcome to the Live Wildly podcast. I'm really delighted to have you here. And one of the first questions I love to ask everyone, and sometimes people feel a little overwhelmed, but just do your best with it, is just to tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background and story, because this is really the heart of heart. I think what draws me to people and why I even wanted to start this podcast is to get to know you and others on a deeper level. And this just gives us an open floor to feel like we're friends and we're here and we get to just dive into your life. So if you would start with that, yes, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy that you asked me to be on your podcast. It's always nice to be able to, you know, spread your story and your passion and, you know, what you're trying to do out there in the world. So my story starts way back. This is kind of like a whole life thing um, that I am doing. I was raised in the Midwest with a stable, fun childhood. I went to public school. Um, The only thing that was different between myself and my friends was that my dad was an alternative medicine healer. Um, And this was in the 80s and 90s. So my friends even called him the witch doctor. He worked with energy balancing and the body, herbs, oils. He even made his own homeopathic medicines, all the things that are kind of now starting to reemerge and become somewhat trendy. Um, These were all things that I was brought up with and kind of ingrained in me from the time that I was born. And as I became a teenager and my friend circle grew, people would naturally ask, what do your parents do for work? What is all of that stuff on your counter? You know, different questions, um, because really that wasn't the norm at the time. Of course, they were talking about like herbs and oils and things like that. And I tried to explain the best I could to my friends, but most people especially because of the time period, did not understand that bodies even had, you know, frequencies or energies, much less that people could work on them and and hold a job in that profession. And I actually think that I lost quite a bit of friends and acquaintances because they might maybe thought that I was weird or my family was weird or, you know, what's going on in this house. And of course, now as a 30 something year old, I know that that shouldn't really have mattered. They probably weren't my friends to begin with. But when you're a young teenager, you're really impressionable to, you know, your social life and your peers. Like that's so important to your development. Um, So I started to notice that I would I would hide that part of me and who I was. Um, I wouldn't really take people through my house. I would just go into my room and do things like that. I would actually even tell my friends and people that I knew that my dad was a naturopathic doctor because people would ask less questions. They're like, oh, it's just a type of doctor, you know? Um, And it sounded more professional. Like, it's hard for me to even say that now because I look up to my dad so much for what he did. But at the time I was almost like ashamed because I didn't want people to know that I was different or that like I lived in a different type of house. And so around that same time, I actually started to get acknowledgement in school because I was really gifted in science and math. And so, you know, a part of me always wanted to explore that natural medicine and alternative healing. But every time I mentioned that, you know, to someone, I was told, well, you'll never find work in that area. Like, nobody's going to believe that this is a real thing. You need something stable in life. And honestly, 
I think the general consensus in society at the time was that you needed to make money and have good social status in order to be successful and thus happy. So I decided and was partially groomed, I guess, to go in a more modern direction. So I studied at national laboratories. I got a double major, both in psychology and biochemistry, all while maintaining a 4.0 GPA, really showing my Capricorn there. And while I was in school, I also managed to get married and we had three kids before I even graduated. So I was 23 and had just gotten accepted into medical school. And I had this overpowering feeling that I shouldn't go, probably partially just because we had three kids at this point. And I knew that the time commitment just wasn't going to be there. I didn't want to take that much time away from my family to focus on potentially six, seven more years of school after I'd already gone for five, I think it took me five and a half years to get two majors. So I didn't, I didn't go to the school. I dropped out <laughs> formally. Long story short, I decided to stay in me modern medicine and go back to school to become a nurse. I knew it only required two years. It was quick. It was easy. I could still make a good income and I would still be using, you know, my skills and helping people to overcome, you know, their illnesses, not to the extent that I really wanted, but you got to make compromises in life sometimes. But this was the part of my life where I look back and I call it like my floating through the motions. I was just floating through the motions at this point. There was nothing really bad, but everything was just okay. You know what I mean? I wasn't like a hundred percent there for my kids because I was trying to build a career and climb up the ladder at work. I wasn't really satisfied with my job because it was just a job, you know, it wasn't like my true passion in life. And to be honest, you know, raising three kids through all of that, and, you know, we actually even had more, my marriage was kind of like a partnership at best. And none of that is a bad thing. Like, it wasn't difficult. Life was pretty easy. I mean, we made good money. We were grateful and content with what we had. Um, I had a new car, beautiful house, gardens in my yard, like everything was just okay. My kids were in sports, you know, like all the things that you think mm -hmm. are the American dream, but really nothing was passionate. That's the only word I can think of. We were literally just floating through the motions and I lived that way in kind of a re repressed state for almost like 10 years. And again, it's not that I wasn't happy. Like we had wonderful moments, amazing memories, but life was just kind of passing by. I feel like we were so caught up in the day to day that we were almost like isolated. You know, like when you look at your schedule and you, you're like, okay, I wake up, I get ready. I drive to work. I go to work. I do my thing. I come back. I have to do this, 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 and then finally get home, make dinner. And then somebody has this activity and then we have to do bath time, put everyone to bed. And then I crash and do it all the next day. Like that's what life felt like every single day. And, you know, on the weekends, it wasn't like 
sometimes we would do fun things, but sometimes I was like so exhausted from the week that all I wanted to do was like sit at home and do nothing. So it was kind of in a way like isolating. We weren't pursuing our passions. And I know that parents do that. You know, you give so much to your kids and that's okay. But like, we didn't do anything anymore for ourselves ever. It was very, very rare that we'd be like, oh, okay, grandma and grandpa are going to watch you so we can go out on a date. <laughs> and I think with that, you lose that, that passion in your marriage and all the things. So one day, you know, five kids later, I came to the realization that if I wanted my marriage to work and feel alive again, like really, really alive, I was going to have to make a change. And so I tried community interest groups. Um, my husband and I started kind of putting ourselves out there and making friends, like, for example, at the gym with couples and, you know, it's not like you go to the bar anymore, you know, so like, where do you make friends? And so we tried to put ourselves out there and like make friends that were interested in similar things that we were interested in. We tried to be more active. We started to travel more, all the things. And there were benefits to all of those things too. Looking back, you know, in hindsight, everything that we did led us closer to the ultimate decision that we finally decided to do, which was selling our home and our belongings and traveling full time. I, I think that was the first pivotal moment in our life and we really didn't prepare for it. We literally made the decision and three months later, our house was sold. <laughs> we were kind of like, all right, we're all in. This is all or nothing. We can't live like this anymore. We're just going to do it. And I am an overthinker and overplanner and all the things. So I find that I either think, 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 and don't make a decision or I just have to jump into it and be like, I surrender. This is it. We're doing it super supportive of all my crazy ideas and he's like so this was like first experience of living on the road unschooling so form of homeschooling and really having no plan but it felt right we had that push we both know that there needed to be a change we found ourselves being active in experiences and nature again and we started to feel you know, somewhat alive in a sense, like, cause it was something new and different. And we weren't just doing that same mundane day after day thing, which was a big deal. And that's not to say that there wasn't any struggles. Like it, it was hard. It was hard to live full-time on the road. So people who think it's all rainbows and butterflies, it's really not. You have to learn to live without privacy and how to reshape the relationships with one another within your home like how do you want that to look how can you make this work that you can you know have that closeness with your spouse and your and your kids but not too much you also have to learn how to disconnect from material possessions and i was very used to shopping as a way of life like we were bored and we'd be like let's go to target you know and mm -hmm. we would buy stuff and so not having a place to go with possessions we had to eliminate shopping and that affluence and had to be content with a very minimalistic life without material possessions. Another really big challenge we had was learning how to homeschool. We knew what homeschool was, but we always thought that it was more replicating school in the home. So we felt like we needed to do, you know, six hours of school and cover all these subjects um, in the beginning. And that made it really difficult for us. And it made our kids really unhappy. So 
we had to learn how to redesign the education that we wanted to provide in order for our children to flourish individually. And then also just had to learn how to build a community again, because once again, we isolated ourselves. We left everybody and everything we knew. And here we were in the unknown, I guess. And then I think the second pivotal moment in our life was when we decided to spend a couple of winters in Baja, um, mostly living on a beach, which was fantastic. It opened my eyes to a whole new world. Baja in particular is a really magical place. It's raw, it's fresh, it's not heavily influenced by modern society or overtaken by tourism. I mean, there's a couple big cities. You have La Paz and Cabo, which are, are big, but most of the small towns, especially where you're going to find expats are not like that. Um, people are entrepreneurs and so many are successful in turning their passions into ways of life that it's very inspirational as well. It really allows you to slow down and focus and be inspired. And I think it was during the times that I spent in Baja, you know, alone on the beach, hanging out, that I was really able to reconnect with Mother Earth. I mean, I really started to realize that like, you know, you can chase your passions as wild and as as far-fetched out as they may be. And I found myself like drawing back to my roots again, back to my childhood, the things that my dad taught me growing up. I started really meditating again, um, journaling, intentionally making decisions, you know, on the food I ate, on the choices that I made during the day, how I wanted to spend my day. And just sort of digging deep and finding out who I was beyond the societal constraints and the labels of the stable life and the person that I was for so long. That was huge. And while in Baja, you know, I met a group of spiritual women who helped me through my journey. Um, one of them was Liz Nyhart. You talked to her earlier in one of your podcasts. We would hold community gatherings for our families while in Baja. Um, and women's circles. And we connected, we shared, we grew, we encouraged each other. And ultimately, you know, it, there was so much encouragement that I felt this intuitive push to go into what I wanted to do, which was essentially being a leader and helping other women feel supported in their journey to self-love, because that's something that I didn't feel like I had I want to help people feel unstuck in life. And I, I got the urge to pursue a different path and take a chance in something, you know, that I really believed in. There is so much there. I'm like, I know I want to start. <laughs> that was beautiful. What a journey. So isn't it funny that a lot of times we have to experience the opposite to then come back and, or see that other side to feel and refine that balance. I think your journey is a lot of this full circle-ness where you started one way, grew up one way. There was so much societal inputs and reflection that said, Oh, are, that's weird. This doesn't feel right. So that made you internalize it. And we can often, I know for myself, you can lose sight of where and who we are. And I think that's normal, especially as kids, mm -hmm. as we're finding where we're going, then you've just kind of come back. I mean, it, I know it took a while and you had lots of kids and lots of experiences to get there, but I'm really curious 
to talk about kind of the courage and because it can take so much courage to step away, to say, no, this doesn't feel right. I want to pursue a passion or I want to make life better. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where people can get stuck is they hit this point and often marriages end or uh, jobs get changed. They, They make these outer changes. And sometimes those are really amazing and can be helpful, but not always. And I think you really shared a lot about community and this internal drive to push you to listen, to say, this isn't feeling good. So I'm just curious, how did you find that courage and trust? Was it really just this uncomfortability and saying, this isn't okay anymore? Or was there something else to just pivot and get you to where now you are today, where you're just deeply reflective and going for your passions? Yeah. Um, So when I finally realized that I was just floating through the motions of life and that, you know, there had to be a better way to live, I knew I had to make a change. Um, but it's hard to admit to yourself and to others that you're not satisfied when you're living what outsiders would consider a perfect life. I was actually told that by multiple people. They're like, oh, you have this beautiful home and you have all these kids. How do you do it? You must be super mom. And, you know, and inside I was like, I'm failing. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you don't, you don't want to admit that because it's really hard and you're like, oh, I should be grateful. That's what we're always told. Be grateful for what you have, you know? So I had to grow multiple times before I would accept any courage. Um, You know, I had, thinking back, I had so many messages from whatever you want to call it, your intuition, the universe, the God, the goddess um, that told me what to do. You know, other people, you know, there was a long period of time where I was like, Oracle readings are really weird, but I would do them and all of them would say the same thing. I kid you not, like every single one. I was like, why do I keep getting the same message? Like sometimes it would be different cards a different order, but it was always the exact same message. And like I said, that was coming from like the scientific person who was like super like, this isn't even true. How does this work? You know, why am I getting this? You know, and opportunities presented themselves and everything led back to like, no, this is what you're supposed to do right now. And what ultimately made me change was that I was resisting the change. And I started to, I don't want to really call it, say depressed, but I, I would, honestly cry. I would start my job, which was a super not difficult job that I was really successful, really good at as a nurse. I worked remotely so I could travel full time. You know, it's a job that like every nurse on the planet earth is probably like, I want to do that because you don't have to do anything. And I made really good money, but I would start crying and I would be like so upset going to work. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I, you know, my husband at this point was kind of like, what is wrong with her? Why is she crying? And it actually got to the point where I started having dreams at night where I would see myself in the middle of like a cyclone essentially. And it was spinning all around me. And I was like on my, on the ground with my hands on my head and I could see myself like screaming and it was like black and chaotic and It took me a while to realize like that was me not allowing myself to let go of the stability and go after what I was meant to do. Like I knew so strongly what I had to do and I wouldn't do it because I am so stubborn and I'm so set on this like safety stability net that Capricorns are built on and that's just who I am. And it was really, really hard. And then one day I finally admitted my vision and my dreams to one of my spiritual friends. And she was like, 
go out. We were, we were actually boondocking in the middle of nowhere. She's like, go out in that field right now. And I want you just to scream, tell your husband first. I was like, okay. So I did, I went out in the middle of this field and I let it out and I was like crying and I was screaming and I was just letting these emotions out because I'm also not a like openly emotional person historically i'm i'm getting better at it but i'm normally very like stoic and i can hold it in and i'm the strong person you know and so that was like huge for me from an emotional and spiritual level and it felt so good and it just overwhelms me with the feeling of like if you don't do this it's going to destroy you like you're going to lose yourself and so again no plan I was just like, all right, we're doing this kind of like when we sold our house, because I'm that overthinker. And I know if I don't just jump into something a hundred percent, it's not going to happen. So I like completely surrendered in order to pivot again. I knew that I needed to help other women who might not have the same support or bravery to help themselves. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do some type of retreat. I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like yet. But I knew that I wanted to get women together and I wanted to support people through something that maybe would have helped me or something that I believed in, um, such as travel and nature and just reconnecting to the self along with having all these beautiful sisters next to you. You know, we're just so powerful and able. And I know that I have the power to put these together for people and make them successful. Sometimes all we need is just that opportunity. That makes a lot of sense. And I think you're totally right that sometimes it takes that emotional release. And I'm definitely someone as well who holds on and holds it in and is like, I will make it work. But this is, you know, this is what we spent our life doing. And it's hard to change. And as a mother of five, I can only imagine too, there's that, it's not a burden, but there's this extra layer of having to think about and how, and are they going to be when we change or how will they relate to that? And I'm so curious as you are a mom of five, I mean, how has this lifestyle, how did that shift from being in a home, you know, doing usual, what you would expect as like a normal day to day to now traveling and unschooling? I mean, how did they respond to the lifestyle too? I'm just so curious. Yeah. So my kids are very understanding and open partially because I think when you have a lot of siblings, they kind of rely on each other. They know that they can't have the spotlight hundred percent of the time. So I think it helps that we have a bigger family because we're all traveling together. And so they they have this dynamic between them that like makes them a little bit more flexible. And I'm only saying that because I live by myself with my dad. So I know how single children can be <laughs> and it's very different. I don't know if I would have had the same success being an only child doing it as my kids do because they still have the ability to have that socialization and that dynamic between them. But as far as their response to the lifestyle, you know, they've seen so many different cultures and ways of life that they're very, I don't even know the word for it. Well, well-rounded. They've learned to love our earth and respect it just because we're out in nature so much. And we see you know, the damages that might've happened from somebody who wasn't respecting the earth. Um, and they're also very social 
beyond their age groups because they need to be able to make friends or community with people of all ages like even adults or elderly like they have no hesitation about just sitting down and having a conversation and asking somebody's life experiences when they're like 80 you know what i mean it's it's really cool to see and i want them to know that they can create their own lifestyle and that they're independent to follow their soul's adventure you know society and trends should not be the primary voice in their head they should be the voice and have the confidence to speak it oh that's powerful right there that makes a lot of sense and i think you're right having each other and having i mean just something about travel and getting out of the norm you meet people you have different experiences you have to be flexible both within a small space but then within the day-to-day because so much comes up and so much changes that's wonderful that you've seen them respond and grow and also are embedding this yeah self-empowerment piece that i think unfortunately not because we try to not have that in our schools, but it just is, there isn't the space for it to be there. And Mm -hmm. something I think probably has influenced them is your international travel. I don't know anyone other kids wise who have traveled internationally and had this experience, like you said, with Baja, the magic, the nature, the slower life and pace in a way. I'm just curious. And especially since your business that we're going to get to talk about today is all around retreats, a lot of them internationally. What has that travel been like? And I come from this in the stance of, I think a lot of people are scared or feel like there's barriers in a way to go out and travel, to experience new cultures, especially with kids. Can you speak to a little bit about that and how you approached it, what you've learned? Yeah. So there is definitely some barriers and challenges and fears and, um, And some of them are legitimate, like international travel is expensive for one thing. So I definitely recommend families to look into travel hacking. Um, You know, if you're paying your bills anyway, and you are, you know, financially, I guess, motivated enough to make sure that you're paying off your credit cards every month, travel hacking on credit card points can be a huge lifesaver. Another thing that not a lot of people think about, but we actually did it. Um, in our earliest stages of international travel was, did you know that if your husband would be willing to work for an airline for six hours a week, it's called ready reserve that you can fly for free on that aircraft. What? So we actually did that. Um, we found a small community airport and we really wanted to start traveling, but we did not have the money to do it. Um, I was actually still in school when we did this and my husband decided to work. It was three hour shifts from 4.30 to 7.30 in the morning, two days a week at an airport and we got to fly for free. And that took us so many places. So it's not a great fun job and it can't last forever because it is exhausting and there's not a whole lot of coverage. So you do have to find people to cover your shifts for you to go on vacation and you have to have a job that maybe starts at eight or you're, you know, work from home or you have some like flexibility in hours because sometimes flights are delayed and guess what you have to stay at the airport so um but it is an option and that is what we did so you have to be crafty and think of ways that can work for your family if it's something that you really want to do 
But finances aside, our experiences have been wonderful. Um, we have had our eyes opened to different cultures and religions and ways of life. And that can be scary for some families. But really, when you look at it from the perspective that everybody is just trying to live their life and most people are good, embrace it, you know, go to the countries, be respectful, be willing to learn, you know, take up bits and pieces of all the places that you go. And you actually do hold on to those too. The majority of places in the world that are deemed as dangerous, like Mexico, for example, I'm sure there's some dangerous border cities that you probably really shouldn't go to. Like you shouldn't necessarily walk around at night in these bigger cities. But I can tell you that a lot of it is the separation of poverty and crime. It is not the same. When we drove through some of the small cities or towns in Mexico, they are so impoverished. Like people don't even have doors on their houses. There's dirt floors. And some people can drive through that. And if you've never experienced that before, you're like, oh, this is awful. You know, like it's it's almost like a creepy feeling and what something somebody would associate with uh, as crime or not being safe, but the two are not the same. And I find that through a lot of different countries is that like, just because something looks old or not well taken care of or doesn't have money does not mean that it's not safe. Of course, don't be flaunting your diamond jewelry, you know, right place at the right time, kind of like opportunistic crime, like petty theft. Obviously, there's things with that. But for the majority of people, people are happy if you're just positive and you ask questions and you try to learn some of their language, like try to say hello in whatever country that you're going to give them a smile, support their local businesses those are the things that people care about. They, they want to have tourism in their economies and they want to bring people in because that's what, what feeds their families. So we've, we've never had ever a bad experience in that sense. Have we had things go wrong? Yes. We have missed trains. We have missed flights. We have, uh, one time we got locked in a hotel or what I thought was a hotel that I had rented in France. I got locked in their parking lot and we were stuck there for hours. We got out and only to go to the next hotel and nobody was there. Like, I mean, things happen, but it's not because it's a bad place. It's just as Americans, we assume everything is open all the time. We assume that everything is very streamlined and in other places of the world, they're just much more laid back and things are not clear cut. And it's something that you just have to learn and be flexible with as you go. Those I hope that's really, what you're asking. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was exactly it. And that was a really great explanation. And also just to share that you're totally right between the poverty and the crime. I think a lot of people get fearful. They're, the news scares them. I love that you can share that. You have experience. You've been there. You know what this is like. So just giving that side of view from your, and with kids too, you've done it and you've enjoyed it. And like you said, there's challenges, but I think it's a really beautiful experience that a lot of people want to do, but I don't think they often will do because of X, Y, Z kind of what we talked about. So thank you. Yes, that was very helpful. And kind of along this line around adventure and exploration 
I'm just curious from your standpoint, what do you think society is not providing people with, or what are some of the missing factors that have led so many people searching for adventure, travel, alternative living, community to feel whole that, I mean, there's gotta be something more and more people are shifting or are unhappy. And I'm just curious to get your take on what you think that might be. Yeah. I mean, I think that for so long, society has put us into these clean little boxes, but we're so complex and emotional and spiritual. You know, we aren't meant to be defined by HGTV houses and everything new, but we spend our time ingesting media that tells us that that's what happiness should look like. Everything is logical and planned and material, and we've eliminated like the opposite we've eliminated like this divine feminine that people talk about from our lives we're not whole as a society so no wonder people are out there searching for something else they're literally missing this other half the mother our connection with earth with ourselves with our emotions you know the mysterious ever flowing the empathetic parts of ourselves so when you don't let people express themselves as they truly are, and when you take away that community support and you groom them to be only successful, when you don't let them play as adults, you trap them and they lose themselves in the process. You know, I mean, also making them more controllable, but I'll save that for another day. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yes. This happiness through consumerism, happiness through climbing the ladder. Well, we're paying you so you can buy the things, but now you're trapped in the day-to-day -day here. Like you said, become disconnected and there's no reverence, no reciprocity, no connection. Calling me. <laughs> it's okay. No connection to the earth to people. I mean, we lit, we moved into a neighborhood after traveling full-time and I hardly know my neighbors, you know, I've gone out of my way to meet people because I want that. And so I draw that in, but yeah, it, it's scary to think of the society we're creating through digital phones. I mean, this is amazing. We get to connect and have this beautiful yeah. podcast and yes. conversation. So there's this about it. flip side, but then we leave, we go play, we are in the world and of the world. Um, and I think our society just doesn't set us up for success in that way. So thank you for that take there's, that's a big question. There's so much there that I think we can go deeper on, <laughs> but I think that gets people started to, to reflect and say, you know, you don't have to follow the paths that you or I are taking, but where in their lives can they begin to say, this isn't quite right. What is my pivot point? Where can I bring in some more wholeness to myself and wholeness, wholeness to my day? So yes, big things, but important. And I want to shift now to talking about your newest venture, why you're here, why we're coming together to talk uh, soul adventure wellness retreats. I am just curious. I mean, I think we've covered what has led you to this, but mm -hmm. yeah, this is newer. This is a big undertaking. Let's talk about it. So the soul adventure wellness retreats, obviously the why we talked about felt my soul being called to it, but essentially I'm really good at event planning and vacation planning. That was something that comes naturally. I wanted a way for women to gain a sense of community 
with other supportive, inspiring women, this perhaps being the most powerful thing. Um, I also wanted to expose women to alternative methods of healing, you know, such as frequency or sound healing, classes held by industry experts, other women, people that, you know, are so in tune with their, their field that they can you know, network and, and share a part of, you know, this, this retreat, this sacred area for women. Um, and I also think that the idea of play and being able to open up as an adult and adventure again is so important. So I ended up deciding to offer these destination retreats that will hopefully appeal to a large amount of people. But by doing that, I really want to introduce these other components to women that maybe otherwise wouldn't have really even known they existed and kind of close that gap and introduce that power of holistic healing support to the mainstream in that like fragile space. That's so important. I think there's such a need and that's why there's so many people being drawn, I think, into the space or wanting to lead retreats. I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful and going to help so many people to have this beautiful container that you're creating. And as you step into this leader and guide role, I am curious how you feel doing so. Have you struggled with imposter syndrome or self-doubt? And how did you trust yourself to say, I'm ready to lead, to help others heal, to hold circle? I mean, that's big. That's a big container. Um, So yeah, if you can (laughs) share about that, I'm sure it's scary too. I mean, me holding this container, it takes a lot of trust and courage and confidence and also self-work. I'm sure you've done the work to get you to this place. So yeah, I'd love to hear. So as far as trusting myself, I didn't for a long time. I struggled, hence the visions and the dreams of the screaming. (laughs) Um, So I had to really grow and do the work and peel back layers of the onion, if you will, many times before I trusted myself. Um, And I've said it before, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm stubborn and no one's going to convince me of anything unless I weigh all the calculated options out and make the decision, you know, from that deepest part of myself. And also work is like way up there in terms of importance for me, but it was so obvious that I just needed to jump and figure it out and trust myself and the universe, you know, whatever for guiding me. And you you mentioned something about imposter syndrome and self-doubt. I have components of it. I think I have full confidence in myself, meaning I know what I'm good at and what I'm capable of doing as to not feel like an imposter in my role. However, I have a deeply rooted fear of failure, which is something that I'm still working on. It's a work in progress. Like what if no one resonates with this? What if I price my retreats wrong and people don't see the value? Like I still need to support my family. So there's always that like little voice in there that's like, well, what if you fail? You know, and it's kind of something that I've learned to power through and just say, what's worse, failing at something and trying or living my life like I was in the cyclone, you know, and it's just... I had to make that choice and it is, it's a choice you just have to make. But I think feeling like an imposter or having some type of self-doubt or feel fear of failure is completely normal, especially I think it's harder 
for women to kind of break free of that because of how we were raised and how you know we're still trying to break that glass ceiling we're still trying to work towards being as empowered and as fortunate as men have been in a lot of the same positions that you know we strive for in life that makes so much sense thank you for sharing about that because it is so real i think you're not living if you don't have a little bit of fear but where do you find that point you know where you're able to say fear is going to fuel me. This fear is here because it's trying to keep me safe or to your point of not wanting to fail. Right. But knowing that that's worthy and it's a worthy pursuit. And so you're going to keep going after it and you'll learn and giving yourself space to learn and show up. I think that's the beauty of it. And yeah, how wonderful to be able to share that too within your retreat setting. Um, because to your point of woman, it makes me think of the mom guilt. I mean, part of me, when I see your retreats, I'm like, yes, I want to do it. This sounds amazing. And then I have three kids pretty young and it freaks me out. I don't think it will matter whatever age they are. I will have this deep rooted guilt that how can I leave and go to something that's going to fill my cup so full and just let them be at home. That's not okay. And I think that's so not okay to feel that way in a way. Yeah. I validate and spend money on it and spend money. Yes. 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 Money, time, leaving them. And there's validity in these feelings, but I know you and I offline talked a little bit about you also having some mom guilt. And I would love for you to talk about that because I think this is something many women struggle with, especially mothers, to yeah. take the time to fill our own cup. How did you overcome this, especially going to lead these retreats and travel? Yeah. Just, yeah, I'd love to hear. So I struggled a lot. My first experience with a women's retreat was as an attendee. I actually won a women's retreat to Moab, Utah with a group of ladies that I had never met. And the only reason that I went was because I didn't have to pay. I won it. And even then I almost didn't go because I felt so guilty about leaving my kids and leaving my husband to care for everything in my absence. But luckily my husband was really supportive and pretty much made me pack my bags and drove me to the airport. So I couldn't say no. And so I went and I got to the retreat and I wanted to go home. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I am a little bit more introverted and I was like, this is way too much for me. I miss my kids already. I shouldn't be here. And my first day was not that great. I was like, this is kind of okay. I want to go home. And it was funny because I found another um, woman there who this was also her first retreat and she felt the same way. So we talked uh, about how we were both feeling the same way. We're like, should we go together? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it wasn't until after the first day that I really got into it. I, I finally was like, all right, I'm here. We'll just, we'll experience this and just do it. And the energy of the women, as we did the adventures together and bonded over these epic experiences and the inner work that I did during the sound bath that was provided changed how I looked at a community of women. Um, the retreat that I went on was not about holistic healing. It just happened to have a sound bath, which this person doesn't normally do them. It, it was supposed to be an adventure retreat. And the adventure part was actually a little exhausting to me. She did a lot of adventures. But I thought in my head, what if we did the adventures, but had more soul searching and connecting work as well? And 
that was kind of that where the little spark started in my mind about oh retreats that sounds cool but i still wasn't obviously to the point where i was like oh i'm gonna do these but i was like thinking in my head like this would be perfect if it was this and then i got home from the retreat everyone was fine everybody was fed house was a little messier than usual but that's okay the important thing was i came home and i had the opportunity to be completely rested and recharged and play and I was in a great mood. And when you're able to focus on growing and healing and experiencing for yourself, you fill your own cup. And, you know, they always say you can't pour from an empty cup. That's what I was doing for so long. And so when I was home, I was more full of life. I was a more patient mom. I was a more playful wife. I had the desire to continue working on myself, which gave me more confidence. So just by taking a little bit of time to invest in me, I felt better about myself. And that shone through to my family, which was awesome. That makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of times it's leaning into the discomfort, leaning into that challenge in a way of saying, okay, I'm going to move past this guilt, move past this. No, everyone is safe. Things are going to be okay. And can you then go and experience and get within? And I think that's something your retreats, as you touched on, there's the adventure part, because I think that's so important. And that creates a little bit of discomfort or pushes someone outside of their mm-hmm. yeah comfort mm-hmm. zone. But then you've also coupled it with this inner work and these different modalities, which I'd love for you to speak on to what you've integrated into your retreat. But why do you think this container is what just really helps uncover these deeper truths, like help us bring forward this inner satisfaction that you said you could then go home and take and kind of kickstart in a way your life. Why is it yeah. this container that really can help do this? To start with, yes, I do multiple adventures, usually one to two in a day, depending on how, you know, intense they are, as well as, you know, one to two wellness activities per day, also depending on how time consuming and things like that, because I really think that balance is important. And I've traveled extensively. So I know what's doable in a day without making people feel exhausted. And it is a really fine balance. And something that fortunately kind of comes naturally to me. So when I was thinking of things that I could do to kind of pursue this passion, I was like, oh, that's it, you know, and I just feel like by looking at adventure as a means of bonding um, and having these experiences and connecting with nature and that looking at wellness as like an inner soul journey and learning more about different areas in your your holistic health journey that you're able to tap into maybe places inside of yourself that you didn't know that you had it kind of opens your eyes to new and different things while allowing you to bond with other people that are going through that exact same experience That makes a lot of sense. Yes. There's something to be said about that group container. And it makes me think about this space for women and sisterhood that I think we often aren't getting in our day to day. 
that this retreat setting really helps. And I'm just curious how you've seen it and why you, again, I'm like, this container is just, you're building this beautiful container and you're allowing women to come forward and have and share in the experience, share in the modalities, be open and be vulnerable. Why do you think this is so important? Again, I think we know what we're missing, but how is this retreat mm-hmm. going to support and um, what have you seen as you've come together with other women? How is that bond beneficial? For thousands of years, human beings have lived in communities and supported each other. And I truly believe that we are supposed to be supported and celebrated And we've lost some of that in modern times. We used to gather, like our ancestors would gather as a community, gather in groups of just women sometimes and just men. Like this isn't just about women. I focus on women, but I think this is equally as important for men and, you know, men's retreats. Like how fantastic. Gathering as groups of women and men and celebrating and having ceremonies and sharing our gifts and our powers with one another. A lot of the relationships that we have nowadays, they're very superficial. You take your kids to soccer practice and you talk to the other soccer moms and you're like, for a bond or a sisterhood. But when you intentionally sit with other women and you reveal your vulnerable parts of yourself, feeling 100% supported, um, you know, because most of us are going through or have been through some kind of crap in the past, you feel the power and you feel the connection to the feminine energy and the love that has you know probably been hidden for a while in your life most people are a little bit disconnected emotionally or have put up you know barricades or blockers because we have to to kind of survive in this world and i think that we were meant to have community and there's there just isn't that anymore like there used to be at least in most situations And I think that by putting yourself out there when you're uncomfortable or challenged, this is something that I thought of before when we were talking and it stuck kind of with me. So I have to share it, but our brains are made of like billions of pathways in the form of neurons. And it looks like this complicated map. If you were to like look inside the interstates or the roads or the pathways that we thought that we would take every single day. You know, we're constantly driving over these pathways. They're our habits, they're what we do. But let's say you hit a roadblock or a challenge and you can't take that path anymore. You might shoot out down this winding mountain road. It's foreign, it's uncomfortable, but guess what? You just did your first river crossing on the mountain road. And now you're in this new area of your brain that you didn't know existed and it's crazy and it's exciting. And there's a hot spring and your vantage point is looking down at all the other people and wondering how they're so happy traveling along that boring interstate. And you're like, hey, come join me. And these people slowly pick up and they're like, oh, that is really neat. Okay, we're going to join you. And then pretty soon you have a bunch of sisters sitting in your hot spring and you're like, this is like the best. You know, we're all opening up and we're going down something foreign and we're bonding and we're looking out and being like, we're not alone up here. And this is the coolest place I've ever been. So that's kind of how I view creating this space for women to gather. Yes. And knowing that the women that are going to be attracted to this space are ones, the ones that you really should be connected with because we can all create our own groups and, and be interested in different things, but 
just knowing that you showed up and others are walking their paths and then they showed up and that you can all kind of come in communion here is so beautiful. And it's so important. Like you said, men's retreats, women's retreats, just this community, the ceremony, the ritual that we have lost touch with. I think so many indigenous peoples still have that. Unfortunately, it's been lost, I think, even within them. But there is this need to relearn and come back and have the community and have the person you can call and say, this is happening. And to your point, I think a lot of people are just stuck in this superficial. Let's go get a drink. Let's go shopping. Let's just sit and watch our kids play and maybe talk about the show we're watching. That's all fine. I think there's a place for that, but this is like next level. Are you ready to really grow feel commune. And I mean, just how wonderful and kind of along this, you talk a lot about nature as medicine. So both that Mm -hmm. there's this beauty in community, there's this amazing thread of medicine that is found through nature. Can you talk about this and what nature has taught you and how you see it playing a role in one's well-being? Yeah. So we are a part of nature. You know, our, our our bodies return to the earth when we die. We are a component in the ecosystem in which we live. We are designed to match what we see in nature on a cellular level. This is me going back to my studies. You know, I, I, I studied this in school for five and a half years. Like at a cellular level, we are connected to nature. So the interaction of our bodies with natural foods, fresh living water, not things that have been tamed down by chlorine and everything else, living soil is so synergistic. As much as, you know, I'm a concrete scientific thinker because I got away from the natural way for a long time. I focused on science. I'm also a feeler because of my other history with my dad. And I've seen the difference that getting outside makes in people. My kids are crabby. I'm like, go outside. Like, I'm not even going to be angry with you. Go outside. Just get some fresh air, run around. And you know what? It actually works. Not sometimes, every single time. And I noticed it with myself too. Like I'm stressed out. I'm going to close my computer and I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to, you know, breathe in that fresh air and I can feel it. It's like it enters your body. And I'm like, man, that felt really good. Like we are meant to be in nature. We are meant to be connected to it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so on your retreats, I know you're just in nature and you're part of it. And I, and I don't want to lose sight of how simplistic it can be that nature can help support you, ground you, help you feel good. But is there any other ways that you integrate just this time? And I'm almost getting to this point where I don't like using the word nature because I think it says that we're separate of it. And yes, we are physically separate, but we are so connected. And I think we are nature itself, but that's a whole nother topic. But um, (laughs) yes, I'm just curious of how you bring this wisdom, the earth's wisdom into your retreats, whether that's through a modality, being out in it, or just making a point to talk about it. Yeah, it's kind of all of those things, to be honest, you know, providing the opportunity to be outside. Some people do not like to plan trips. And so by me having these outdoor adventures and experiences, it's just getting them outside. And sometimes that's enough inspiration for somebody to be like, okay, I need to get outside more. And if that's all they gain from it, cool. Like, I hope Mm -hmm. that helps you. 
but I also try to, you know, be conscious about the fresh organic foods because we provide all the food and some of it is going out to eat and some of it, you know, we make ahead of time and that's part of it. You know, what you put in your body, part of it is the modalities. You know, I, I have someone that I use as a yoga instructor and she does meditation and I use her for almost all of my retreats. Her name is um, Kat Geetson and can go outside. We ground ourselves. We learn how to, you know, maybe stretch and move our bodies and, and hold positions in order to have that part of it also reflected in the retreats. And then there's people that are teaching things, people that I'm bringing in to do classes. And a lot of these people, you know, they're women, they're experts in their field, whatever that may be. Some of them, you know, might do mindfulness, things like that. But whatever I do, I try to link it back to this like holistic approach that there are so many different components and everybody's going to respond differently or feel called to something. But I want to be able to provide that variety of options for people to experience because you know some things some people resonate with and some things they don't but as long as i'm putting it out there and providing it i'm hoping that somebody could pick up one thing that'll help them that they can bring back with them that's so important and on that topic how do you help your attendees integrate what they've learned on your retreats so they can return home and bring it back because i just see there's so many things or experiences that we go through And then it's like, great, you just learned all this, or you had a wonderful time. Bye, go back to your life. But I think that's what you're creating is so much more. So this is actually kind of new and exciting. And I haven't even told anybody yet. So you're the first person to really hear this, I guess. I know. But um, so I really do feel like the retreats are life-changing enough that if somebody really resonates with something, they will hang on to it. But it's certainly, even though it's something that somebody isn't going to necessarily forget because you'll probably always remember like these, a women's retreat in some epic place. Like I'll never forget mine. However, I have recently been sort of called to expand my retreats with, I guess, I don't know what I even want to call it yet, but classes, gatherings. And what I mean by gatherings is just time where people can get together, not necessarily even something that has food or that you women can get together and talk and have that sense of community. Um, And I want to start those like in person, but eventually, you know, hopefully live stream them if they're successful enough. And I really think they will be, I really feel like there's such a need out there. So I'm going to be starting a few new things, you know, creating classes designed to help people practice self-love, creating, you know, how to create a morning ritual. Like you'd be surprised the people that are like, I have nothing. Like I wake up and I don't even wash my face because I work from home now or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was in that spot too. Once upon a time, like I would just be like, what's the point? I'm just sitting at home, but there is a point. And I just want to, you know, tell people the importance of that and how to create that where it's not taking a bunch of time or resources. And then, you know, really diving deep on their soul adventure. Um, So this is something that it's a work in progress. I'm definitely doing it. I'm hoping to launch in fall of 2023. And with that, I'm going to be separating my blog, which is my current website that I use for family travel and blog and photography for the longest time. And then I didn't want to create a new website. So I just added the retreats to it. It's my Kappa 7 Adventures website. 
And I want to separate that from the sisterhood and retreat work that I'm going to be doing. So I actually just bought a new domain and I haven't even made the site yet, but the domain that I bought kind of goes along with, you know, the title of what I'm doing, which is soul adventure and wellness retreats, but it's just called the soul adventure collective. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is going to be starting. I'm super excited about that. There's a lot of work I'm going to have to put into it, but I have a lot of support and then the gatherings, like I said, they're just going to be community events across the U.S., probably starting in my hometown, which is Wausau, Wisconsin, and then another site near Boise, Idaho, um, where we'll get together, you know, in sacred sisterhood, just like our ancestors used to do and support one another. So I'm really, really excited about that. I'll probably even start that towards the end of the summer and see where that goes. I think it's going to be really fun and enlightening and a place where people can just go and see if this is right for them, if this is something they're interested in. Yeah, that's amazing. And allows your retreat attendees to continue to connect and have the mm-hmm. space and, and then bring even more. I love that, that idea and having a collective created where you can travel or you can live stream hopefully at some point, but just, it's so, so necessary to have that deep space, sacred space. And so we can show up and be our best selves. And I am curious. So you kind of touched on that with what you're creating, but how can one start to have adventure and community at home? What tips would you share to just, yeah, like the morning ritual, just Mm -hmm. how and where should someone start? It doesn't have to be big. You can do small adventures close to home if that's all you can do. That's all we could do for a really long time. And just try to, you know, put yourself out there. Try to see if you can find some like-minded women. Um, If you have a hard time with that in your area, that's one of these places where the internet is a good thing. Online groups are a good thing. You can actually meet face to face. There are groups out there that do stuff like this already, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know any off the top of my head or personally, but I know there are. And then I'm also just hoping that eventually with what I have planned with the business that my gatherings will help kind of fill that void as well, because I'm hoping that eventually that can be something that someone can do from their living room. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yes. That's a great reminder. Start small, find your people and then see where life takes you. And I think you'll Mm -hmm. find adventure from there. And if you could really like plug your retreat in a way of why your retreats, what is the magic you're creating? I know we just talked about all about this, but one final, yeah, wrap up from you around your retreats. Yeah. So my retreats are a mix of adventure and nature, sisterhood, wellness at as deep of a level as you're ready to take it. Um, you know, if you feel the spiritual call, of a sound bath while you're doing it, soak it up, take it all in. If you feel like it's just relaxing and you want to take a nap, that's okay. If that's what you want out of it, like it's okay. It's, it's your time and you can do what you want with that time. But if while you're at the retreat, you feel something calling out to you, it might just be a part of you that is waiting to be free and to be heard and to be expressed. And The power of sisterhood and the divine feminine is not weak. And people who aren't even spiritual at all say they feel something different, a good different. It is partially to do with the intention and the energy behind everything that is planned during the retreat. And it is 
also that, you know, sacred space that we've been talking about that I'm holding for women to come as they are and to leave with a deeper sense of who they might be if they allowed themselves to be safe and to be free. Now I have something really cool that I kind of want to share because I think this is really special. So I have this little leather bound notebook that a friend had gifted to me and it was really cute. And it says adventure awaits. And I was like, what am I going to do with this notebook? So I decided when I started to do the retreats that I would have the women write something in the book, whatever they wanted, whatever they felt, I have no direction. And that way I could kind of keep a log of like people's feeling right after the retreats. And there's a couple of little excerpts in here that I wanted to share because it shows a pattern between some of what these women have experienced. Here's one of them. It says, this time down in Baja, immersed in an intentional community of families forging their own paths to happiness has been so affirming. I came into the retreat thinking I was seeking adventure and me time, but I found so much more. Friendship, guidance, community, inspiration. As we prepare for our own full-time travels, it's been especially inspiring to talk to women and families who are already living this life. As our sailboat guide, slash friend so aptly said the best option is always our happiness i'm so grateful to you for creating such a well-balanced retreat that really allowed me to expand my definition of happiness and a life well lived so that's one and i'm just i'll maybe read two other little short ones because you're going to see how every single one kind of and they don't read each other's this is just what people have found so this next one yeah that's so beautiful thank you for sharing these yes Thank you, Sarah, for creating sacred spaces, sacred spaces for women to come together from all over the world and join other women on a journey back to themselves. I felt so honored to be at your retreat. I wanted to start my own retreat and watching you has inspired me to put the dream into action. Your creativity is a gift and your spirit for adventure is contagious. I can't thank you enough for sharing your gifts with me. And then the next one was, this is my first retreat ever, and it exceeded all of my expectations. I was coming down here to hang out with some awesome women and go on adventures, but I got so much more out of this experience. The adventures were absolutely amazing and bucket list items. I mean, swimming with whale sharks, but the small chats in the car and at the dinner table were a huge highlight for me that I didn't even expect. Getting to know each other more and sharing our stories, experiences, and adventures was incredibly inspiring to me, grounding, and filled me with gratitude and joy for having to met so many amazing women. Thank you for bringing us together. So that's just some of them. And I have pages and pages of these experiences from women, and that just shows you like you think you're having an adventure. You think you're just getting me time, but it is so much more. I keep seeing that statement so much more. And I think that's so profound. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing, for just opening your heart, for following this call that you have had to create this beautiful retreat and space and bring women together. I mean, I think that was a wonderful way to end our conversation around the retreats and that aspect. And before I let you go, though, I must ask my wild heart questions to you. (laughs) So being on the live wildly podcast, how do you currently live wildly? 
Well, I had to think about that in terms of wild, but I, I would say it's because, I mean, I'm nomadic right now, at least. I listen to my head and my heart. I'm no longer afraid to play as an adult, which is something that has added so much happiness to my life. I'm no longer afraid to hide who I am in order to feel accepted. And I also understand that life is ever changing and flowing and I'm okay with that. You know, you have to let go of the things that no longer serve you and you have to be okay with sitting in the stillness sometimes, or sometimes diving headfirst into change. That's really beautiful. Yes. That all makes sense. And who or what currently inspires you? Oh my gosh. So many people. Like, I think anybody who's out there chasing their dreams, making it work, listening to their soul's calling, like that's inspirational in and of itself. And that like spans all, all areas. I mean, just the other day I was on Instagram and I realized that I follow some of the craziest accounts that have absolutely nothing to do with what I do, or really am even interested in ever doing. I follow this lady that makes clay butterfly jewelry and I'm obsessed or moth jewelry. They're moths. And I was like, I could watch her all day. She's absolutely incredible. And I'm like, but I would have no intention of ever doing that, but I absolutely love it. Or like this lady that like makes these crazy yarn, like homemade yarn, like she spins it and everything. And I'm like, oh, they're all so inspirational. Like, cause they're, they have their thing and they're like a hundred percent devoted to it. So I, I mean, so many people, I think anybody that's just out there giving it their all and being who they are. Awesome. Yes. A thousand percent. I can get behind that. That makes so much sense. And just seeing the variety of creativity that people bring and their passion, we are all so unique and everything is valid. And so showing up, giving it your all. Yeah. How can that not be inspirational? I totally agree. (laughs) And what tips do you have for someone who is curious about following their heart, but is scared or unsure where to start? It's a process and really only you can choose the timing. As I said earlier, for me, it literally took weeks of crying and feeling hopeless and having nightmares to say, this is enough. Universe is guiding me, sending me these signs. I have to make the change and be passionate about something. So I just say, you know, be intuitive and and watch for those signs. If there's something that you're supposed to be changing, whether they're signs that are internal or external, just watch for them. And, And when it feels right, take some action. And if you're scared, I mean, you could always do what I do and just decide, Hey, surrendering, we're just doing it. (laughs) You know what? I think that's actually a really good tip because sometimes that is what it takes. Sometimes you need to just say, screw it. This feels right. Let's do it. Jump Mm -hmm. and don't look back. I think when our mind gets into it too much, or we start to let the past or present and the future all intermingle, it just becomes too much. So yes, just listen, you know, what's right. Trust yourself, go from there. That's wonderful. And I think your whole story shows that very well. And I know we talked a little bit about your future dreams with your business, with starting a collective and classes, but are there any upcoming retreats that you'd like to talk about or share? Yeah. So some of them are sold out, but I do have, I think five. So I have two openings yet for the Banff Canadian Rockies which is a retreat from September 19th to the 24th. 
I'm going to be opening a Sedona retreat, which I'm co-creating with the lady that I use as a yoga instructor, Kat Geetson. Um, she's got a lot of really cool contacts and stuff that we're going to use in Sedona. And that's going to be November 12th to the 16th. It's a little shorter. It's only a five day. And then I have a Costa Rica in March, the 10th to the 16th. I have Ireland, which I'm so excited about because we're going to be visiting the stone circles and all the fun places from you know, my ancestry, which I'm stoked about. And that's May 18th to the 24th. And then I have Iceland, which I have done before. And that one is July 8th to the 14th. And that one is technically open, but I have not advertised for it yet. That's for 2024. Those are the retreats that are open. Wow. All those sound amazing. I am going to find one in the future to attend and come meet you and enjoy. But yes, everyone listening, check her out. All the links will be below to her website. You can look at these retreats more in depth. And yes, I hope you feel inspired and so excited to come attend one of Sarah's retreats because I think they're just going to be life-changing and incredible. And thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time today, for sharing your heart, sharing your challenges, and just showing up as your beautiful, radiant self. I am so grateful to have met you and have time with you today. Thank you so much. I feel the same way. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Live Wildly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It goes a long way to helping gain new listeners and fills my heart to see your reviews every time it comes through. It just keeps me inspired and going on this journey. And if you'd like to learn more or follow Olivia further, you can check me out at www.olivia-ashley.com. And just there's a lot there that you can check out and you can learn more about the podcast episodes. You can also follow along on Instagram at wildly Olivia or at live wildly podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all of you listeners and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again.